0: Well, good morning. We're going to start off with, uh, with a prayer uh, before we hit, uh, hit again with, uh, with Matthew 8. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we do pray for your blessing now as we open your Word again. And as we seek to, to understand your Son and his way of working, his style of working, his way of language, we pray, Heavenly Father, for your richest blessing as we try to understand what went on here with, with Legion and that man's cure for Jesus' sake and because of him. And for his sake, we ask this, Amen. So then, Matthew chapter eight, uh, we're continuing here uh, with the w- with the final part of the chapter, starting from verse twenty-eight, about what happened when they came to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, and then these uh, two mad men meet them. And looking at the the parallel records of Mark and Luke, this is uh, the person otherwise known as as Legion. Now, straight away I like to just clear up why it is that Matthew appears to talk about two uh, mentally ill people and Mark and Luke talk about one namely Legion. Well, my suggestion is that this happens several times in the gospels that there's a focus upon just one person in a group. Uh, for example, Luke says that Peter went to the Lord's tomb after the resurrection, but several other disciples also went. But Luke says that Peter went. That doesn't mean that the others didn't go, if you see what I'm saying. So I think this is a classic case here. Now, before we get actually into the, uh, the nitty-gritty of talking about demons and so on and so forth, and what really happened to the pigs, and uh, I'd like to just uh, look a little bit about the, uh, of the, the role of, of this in the, in the narrative. And verse 28, this whole thing happens in the country of the Gergesenes. Now, actually, during your Bible study, thinking, does that occur in the Old Testament? Yes, it does. And it's in Deuteronomy 7, verse 1, where you read about the Gergeshites. And there, we're told that the Gergeshites, Deuteronomy 7, 1, were original inhabitants of Canaan, who were not driven out as they should have been. They weren't driven out as they should have been. Now, (laughs) what that means, of course, is that Effectively, the Lord Jesus was driving these these pigs that uh, these uh, things out that should have been driven out by Israel. So you start to get a little bit uh, suspicious that uh, actually there is more uh, meaning in this uh, this whole thing than uh, than might meet the eye. Now they say to him, verse twenty nine, "Are you come to torment us?" Well, that's very much the language of judgment at the last day. And they say, have you come before the time to torment us? Now the time is the time of, uh, of the last day of judgment. They fear being cast out. If you cast us out, verse 31. And this is very much uh, the very same term that's used about condemnation verse 30, a good way off. This is uh, a phrase used in Luke 15, verse 20, about the, the prodigal son being a good way off from the Father. Uh, Ephesians two, thirteen, and 17, about us being a good way off from God and then being reconciled uh, by the, the work of the Lord Jesus. So, in one sense, this is a story of two men, one particularly Legion, who is focused on in the in records by Mark and Luke. This is a record of two men with a great fear of condemnation, a great fear of being thrown off a cliff. Now, the idea of being thrown off a cliff, in the classical terms, was the idea of condemnation and rejection. You remember how the Lord Jesus back in Nazareth, they wanted to throw him off the cliff, and the whole connection of death at sea with condemnation by the gods was very strong in all ancient thinking. There was a fear of death at sea. This is why the disciples later were so paranoid when it seems that they were in the midst of the sea being over, overcome by, by the waters. So many times we have the idea of death by being cast into sea uh, being used about condemnation about Babylon, Tyre, uh, about a number of Gentile nations actually in Ezekiel, about meeting their end in the midst of the seas. And those who offend one of these little ones, the Lord says, shall likewise be, it's better for them that a millstone is put around their neck, and they are cast into the midst of the sea. And so all these pictures of condemnation are bound up in the language that these men are using. On one level, before we get to the fascinating question of of demons and and, uh, what's really going on with the pigs and this kind of thing, the, the simple takeaway point for us as believers from all this is that here are two men absolutely gutted with fear and obsession about condemnation, and the Lord is taking that fear of condemnation and throwing it into the sea and saying, it's gone, it's done. Remember those pigs that you saw uh, drowning there with the terrible noise there would have been? It's gone. Now, you don't meet the curing of legion in the Gospel of John. But what you do find in the Gospel of John, I would say, is equivalent language, the equivalent ideas, as you do so often when you look at the differences between the synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of John, that what John talks about is the idea of condemnation having been given for sin, uh, but dealt with now, and that now we can rejoice, that yes, we have sinned, yes, we have to face condemnation, but the Lord Jesus, through his work, has dealt with that, and we are therefore now free, and can go onwards in peace in, in our lives, looking forward, surely, to eternity in God's kingdom. Now, in a visual sense, this is what's happened here with these men, fearful of condemnation, of being thrown into the the sea of condemnation. And the Lord is taking all their fears, putting them in the pigs, and saying, look guys, watch them. There they go. I have made them go over there. I have cast them into the sea. It's all okay now. All that fear that you had, all that beating of yourselves up, stoning yourselves with stones, and incidentally... Auto-lapidation. There's a new word for you, maybe. Uh, it means to uh, an obsession with self-stoning. Uh, it, it, this is a, a psychological phenomenon uh, whereby uh, mentally ill people do have a tendency to take stones and beat themselves with stones. Why is this so common that this clever word has been uh, thought up for it? Auto-lapidation. It's because effectively they are stoning themselves, and this is so uh, common, particularly amongst people who come from societies where stoning is common, that it, it, it's very very common amongst mentally ill people. Now, why do they want these men, uh, why are they beating themselves with stones, beating themselves up, stoning themselves, because they felt that they should be condemned? And the Lord is saying, no, no, no. Throws all that condemnation into the sea; it's gone. And you know, as I say, John puts all this in other language, <clears throat> or records the Lord teaching this, shall I say, in other language. When he says that condemnation is past for us, uh, the Lord has, has carried that, and uh, now we are in the light. We have come out of darkness; we're into light. The condemnation is past; the darkness is past, and now we look forward to eternity in God's kingdom. That's a, a different way of putting it, but it's, it's the, same, uh, the same basic truth. The, the other thing I would just like to mention in a slightly different way is that the Lord Jesus, throughout his uh, dealings with people during the, the, the term of, of his ministry, was very often recorded as helping the demon-possessed. And... I believe that demon possession is, in the end, another way of speaking about mental illness. And the, quote, casting out of demons is another way of saying curing somebody of mental illness. And you see this in in Mark's record of Legion because he says at the end of it uh, that the man was clothed and in his right mind. So then the whole uh, process of of casting out the demons uh, from from legion resulted, according to Mark, in him being now in his right mind. When he had not been in his right mind before, now he was. So it seems to me then uh, that Jesus had a special message for the mentally ill, and that the demon-possessed, if you wish, the mentally ill, as I would put it in the first century in Galilee, were particularly attracted to the Lord's message, and were particularly responsive to it. Now, that is a problem, a big problem, for the standard idea of demons, that, you know, there's there's a devil up there, a personal cosmic being called Satan, who's got these minions called the demons, who are running around on this earth, trying to make people sin, causing all kind of grief and problems in people's life trying to lead people to condemnation. Now, that is not what the Bible says. That is what's fairly commonly believed. Now, <clears throat> in that case, there is a major logical problem here. It's rather like Paul's saying uh, about delivering someone to Satan, that they might learn not to blaspheme. Well, well I thought Satan classically is supposed to teach people to blaspheme. But, but the way Paul talks about Satan, the adversary whatever this entity is or however it is it is to be understood it is actually leading people to uh, spiritual betterment now if it's the demon possessed people who particularly come to Jesus well what are, are these demons leading people to Jesus then it doesn't make any sense I would argue that it, it makes far more sense, it's far more comfortable to understand this as simply meaning that it was the people on the very margins of society the mentally disturbed, those who are thought strange and odd, whom the Lord called and for whom he was particularly attractive. That is exactly the same in essence uh, in what goes on uh, today. The kinds of people who are called are, uh, and who are so responsive to the Lord are typically those on some end of, uh, of a spectrum or, or basically despised, uh, to one side in society, either through their own choice or, or the choice of society, or typically a bit of a bit of both. Now then, let's uh, l- let's get down to business with um, with legion and this whole business of demons. Well, I have said that when he's cured, according to Mark, he's in his right mind, which means that he was not in his right mind before. So it seems to me that. Uh, to cast out demons is effectively to cure mental illness. And <clears throat> earlier actually in Mark, in Matthew 8 uh, verses 16 and 17, you've got a classic case of this. They bring to him many that were possessed with demons. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So that to cure sickness is paralleled with casting out demons, casting out the spirits. Now there's a guy called George Lamser, who is quoted uh, quite extensively in the, in the literature, and he was a native Aramaic speaker, and he came from a very remote part of Kurdistan, where it seems that they spoke an Aramaic, a version of Aramaic that would have been similar to what the Lord spoke in the first century. And he says a lot of very interesting things about the language of demons. And he says, and I quote, unclean spirits is an Aramaic term used to describe lunatics. And he also makes the point that to speak about casting out a spirit would have been understood as simply curing a mentally ill person. And he says that this uh, is what goes on. This language is used in, in, uh, in Kurdistan to, to this day. <clears throat> and I, I can believe that when I lived in Africa, uh, I can remember trying to encourage people to take malarial uh, prophylactics uh, so that you know, kids particularly wouldn't get sick with, with malaria. And it's very difficult to persuade illiterate simple people that you must pop that white uh, tablet Uh, every day, it it was back in those days, now they've got weekly ones, but um, it's very difficult, and I I can remember doctors actually telling these people, look here, if you take these white tablets every day, it keeps the demons away. Oh, really? Give me your tablets. Uh, Start talking to them about malaria and all this kind of stuff. No, I mean, no. And so it's quite normal to use the language of the day in talking to people in whom these ideas are ingrained. And there is absolutely no question that the Bible repeatedly uses language of the day. There, There is no question about that whatsoever. And it would be very unlikely if the language of the day was not to be used in this area of demons, where it is so ingrained in people's understanding. Now, as I say, that you have a choice to either believe that mental illness is caused by demons and is only cured when you cast out the demon, or you are to understand that mental illness is caused by a whole wide range of factors and that it is over to medicine, medication, counselling, etc., to try to cure that now are you really saying that doctors, psychiatrists medicine etc can actually drive out demons I, I, is that our belief now Gregory of Tours who is one of the uh, so called church fathers uh, he actually said that it's uh, it's far better to have a, an icon that is an icon that that, that drives out demons supposedly that uh, it's far better to have an icon in the house than a doctor when somebody's sick. Now, yeah, you believe that? Is that what you believe? Where do you say that mental illness comes from? Now, do they come from demons? Or not? And if mental illness can be uh, dealt with, it can be uh, ameliorated and even cured by uh, psychiatry, by medication, etc., are you telling me that that is driving demons out? In, in which case, where do they go? And how do you know that? Yeah, have you seen demons running away? Now, this is the whole problem with a surface-level reading of the Bible, whereby people read, read it on the surface level and say, all right, there you are, you see, there's demons, look, legion, and blah, blah. And I would say that in, in logical terms, it, it proves too much to say that, ah, there's demons here, therefore this mentally ill person was made ill by demons. Now, also, when you look at the record, it's clear that there is a parallel between legion personally and the demons. Take this clear list in in Mark 5, 5. Mark 5, verse 9, he, legion, in the singular, begged Jesus. Mark 5, verse 12, the demons begged Jesus. So, then, legion personally and the demons are parallel. And you, you see that when Jesus says, what's your name? And he says, my name, singular, my singular name, my name is Legion. For we are many. Now, if, if this guy was just possessed by, by demons, then it would surely be so that there would be a difference a distance between him personally and, quote, his his demons. But there isn't. There is not that difference. Because he is his demons, as it were. Now then, you you got that again in Mark 3.11. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and shouted, You are the Son of God. Again, the unclean spirits are put for the actual people. Now, it's not surprising that Jesus goes along uh, with the ideas that these mentally ill people had about demon possession and also about the transference of of disease, because that's why he quote sends the demons from the uh, from the the man into the pigs, because of his common idea of, of transference of uh, of of disease and and demons and so on and so forth. So, it seems to me then that Jesus is going along with these people's wrong ideas. But isn't that exactly what you do when you meet a mentally ill person? When you meet a mentally ill person, do do you... uh, immediately try to correct them of every wrong idea they've got? You've got to laugh with them, to some degree. You've got to walk with them, to some degree. Now, literally, here in this hall, in this church hall, we have someone who who is a bit mentally disturbed. And they said to me the other day... (laughs) There's a dog outside that's dancing in the middle of the road, balancing a ball on his nose. He's so happy that you're you're giving your Bible talks. Now I didn't say, look, mate, you're wacky. I look out out the window. There's no dog there. There was no dog there. There's no dog with no ball balancing on its nose and all this kind of stuff. What did I do? I I said, oh yeah, that's funny. What's his name? You know, I don't know. <laughs> this poor, poor man is making up some name for this dog, who he reckons is out there, uh, dancing with a ball balanced on his nose. The poor guy's crazy. But you got to laugh with him. And you got to walk with him. got to hold their hand. You don't say, now sit down here, now listen here. There was no dog out there. You are telling lies. There is no dog dancing out there. And there is no ball that he's balancing on his nose. That, that, yeah, that's, all, that's all the way you deal with the, with mentally disturbed people, is it, right? Now, if you think that the Lord Jesus was going to go into a, a society that strongly believed in demons with people who were mentally ill, and if you think he's going to come dead literally, dead literalistically, and say, Oh oh no, 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 guys, that's not right, that's not right, there's no dogs out there uh, balancing balls on their noses. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. No one would, no sensitive, normal person would behave like that. And the Lord Jesus likewise did not behave like that either. Now, as I've said, there was a strong idea of a disease transference. You, you remember how the leprosy of Naaman, it says clave, it's stuck to Gehazi. That's 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 27. <clears throat> God threatened in Deuteronomy 28 verse uh, 60 to make the diseases of the inhabitants of Canaan and Egypt to, to stick to Israel if they disobeyed. Now th- this is all, th- this is all the, the language of, of accommodation to these people's ideas. Disease in that sense does not pass from one nation to another. And yet, okay, they had this very clear idea of disease transference. And so, okay, the Lord goes along with it. You believe that a disease has got to go somewhere? demons got to go somewhere? Okay. Okay. So, I'll let it... Let's stick it in the pics. So, he goes along with this. Now, Josephus records how, when the, uh, the Jews claimed to cast out demons, how they, they would put a glass of water on the table... That would then supposedly fall over as the demon came out of a person and he, he knocks the glass of water over now there is this need for people to understand or feel that whatever they had wrong with them has gone from and this is very common in uh, a common problem that 's encountered by a lot of uh, doctors and medical workers uh, nurses and, and so forth uh, with illiterate and simple people in, in developing parts of the world now <clears throat> why then the destruction of the pigs well was that not therefore really quite a straightforward example of the Lord simply doing something that would continually be in the, in the man's mind and, and, and recollection because it's rather like the whole business of the scapegoat you remember in the Old Testament, they, they put the sins of Israel on the, on the head of the scapegoat and let it go in, into the wilderness. And that would have been a visual, a visual aid memoir to the, uh, to the Israelites as they would have seen the little animal running away into the wilderness and they would have realized that's my sin. That's my sin being taken away. And, of course, a lot of mental illness does recur. A lot of it is recurrent, and people can be uh, completely fine uh, for a while, and then they're they're not. You've got an example of that in Mark 1, verse 23, where we're told that a man who was possessed with demons was sitting in a synagogue, and suddenly he screamed out. So, clearly, uh, his mental illness had um, was triggered by something or other and broke out. Now with this man, with this legion, we're told in, in Luke, in Luke 8.27, that he came to meet Jesus from out of the city. And yet here in Matthew 8.28, we read of him living in tombs outside the city. Now where, where was the man? Was he in the city or was he outside the city? Well, it's clear that legion was both. He was living living in the city when he was okay, and then he was out in the middle of nowhere, when he was getting crazy. Now, it could be, it could be that one reason why he was mentally unwell was because of uh, eating pork, eating uh, bad pork, pork that had not been properly cooked, uh, pork that was diseased. And there is this uh, trichina parasite within, uh, particularly in the muscles of, of uh, pigs, that does um, infect the um, the brain, and that, that it is actually transmissible to human beings by uh, by eating it, and that does uh, cause a brain infection and it can cause madness, so it could be that his illness was related to to having eaten pork, which of course he shouldn 't have done if he was jewish and so Maybe that's why the Lord is putting, as it were, putting this disease back into the pigs and sending the, the pigs over the edge. Now, there are all sorts of theories that the Jews of course shouldn't have been keeping pigs, that therefore uh, it was a punishment on them for doing that and so forth. It could be, uh, it, it could be like that. But, it seems to me that again, there is um, some sort of deeper sort of meaning there than the Lord simply punishing people for illegally keeping pigs. Uh, and of course, they, there was a lot of Gentiles up there in that that part of Galilee. I mean, th- these pigs may not have actually belonged to to Jews anyway. Well. Looking through the Old Testament, it is clear, I think, that Israel are represented by legion. Isaiah 65, 3 and 4, Israel are people who remain among the tombs and lodge in the monuments. That's exactly legion, is it not? Now, legion was always, we're told, in the mountains, and that's in the high places. Why are you always in the high places? Isaiah 65, 7, Isaiah 4:13. There cannot be any question that his name, Legion, has got to be significant. Because, of course, this is the name of Roman legions, a group of Roman soldiers. So he was under the ownership of, of Rome. When the Lord asks him the question, what is your name? Of course, that is the very question that God asked Jacob. What's your name, Jacob? When Legion says, we are many, he, when Jesus says, what's your name? He says, my name's Legion, for we are many. In a funny way, he's actually quoting from the Bible, from Ezekiel 33, verse 24, uh, where we're told that these are the very words of uh, Israel complaining to God in their captivity, in their dispersion uh, they say Abraham was one and he inherited the land but we are many, the land is given us for inheritance and God says, no you can't because you eat with the blood <laughs> no you can't although we are many says so Ezekiel 33, 24, although, quote, we are many, yes, I hear you, God is saying, that's what you're saying, but I'm telling you, you're eating the wrong things, and you are basically Gentiles, so no. Now that's exactly Legion's situation. Now I told in Mark 5, 3 and 4, Legion had often been bound with, with fetters and chains, just as God's people were taken into captivity in fetters and chains, 2 Kings 24, verse 7. This legion, he begs the Lord that the unclean spirits will not be sent out of the country, out of the land. Why does he say that? Unless he is somehow feeling that he is Israel desperately not wanting to go into captivity, out of the land. Now, this herd of pigs, then, is destroyed in the water, just as the Egyptians were destroyed in in the Red Sea and and so forth. So, it seems to me that this man-legion does represent Israel. And the Lord, I think, intends us to see that, because these connections with the Old Testament are fairly major, very clear. And what he's saying is, your condemnation, ultimately... I will deal with. I will deal with that. Don't be so obsessed about it. I will deal with that. Now, finally, I'd I'd like to suggest what I would call a a more psychological uh, approach to all this. I've said that legion uh, can represent Israel in in their weakness, and that is how it is. Uh, But I, I think there's... There's got to be more significance than meets the eye... ...in the fact that this man says that his name is Legion. Because clearly that was not his real name. His name was not Squad of Soldiers... ...but he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. This is really classic... um, ...this is classic schizophrenia. This is classic multiple personalities... He feels that he has got a legion inside him. That's how he feels. He feels he's got a legion inside him. So he feels absolutely possessed by Rome. He feels possessed by the the Roman legions. That's exactly how he feels. And... There is a reference, and if you, if you look at my book, The Real Devil, you, you will see this. There is a reference to the Roman 10th Legion, the Fratensis Legion, actually being stationed there in Gadara. And there is also reference to those Roman soldiers being known as pigs in slang. And also, that 10th legion, that Fratensis legion, that was, was, was based there, had the pig as its mascot. So, without any question, those pigs represented the Romans. And Mark says that there were about 2,000. Now, uh, the size of a legion is very debatable, but there is a reference to the governor of Judea having 2,000 legionaries at his disposal. Now, I admit that this is just slightly speculative, and to see the original references, you'd have to look at my book, The Real Devil. But there, in the very area where this miracle was happening, there was a Roman legion, the tenth legion of two thousand people of two thousand men and a huge number of pigs. Why was there a huge number of pigs next to them? Because that was what they ate. This was food for the garrison. There's a lot of pigs to have, especially you know, if they were Jews. That's why I, I query whether, more than query, qu- query, whether these people were Jews keeping a few pigs on the quiet because there's a huge number of pigs. It's okay keeping a few on the quiet, but I mean it is absolute mass scale, 2000. Quite frankly, who would keep 2000 pigs? This is big time commercial farming. Yeah, this makes sense, that it was to feed the Roman garrison, the Roman 10th Legion. And you can imagine the joke being made, pigs for the pigs, you know. The pigs, the Roman soldiers eat pigs, you know. That's what the joke would have been. So, there's this poor guy, this man, and Jesus says, what's your name? And he feels very strongly uh, Judah's occupation. And he says, I'm legion. I'm not myself. I am totally dominated, possessed, taken over by the Romans. And the Lord says, okay, I'll take that, and I'll put it in these pigs. I'll put it over there in the pigs. they are gone. You're free, mate. You're not possessed any longer. You're good. That's, I think, the connection that's going on here. Now, he hates himself. He beats himself up with, uh, with, with stones, it's self-stoning. He he hates himself. Wants to destroy himself. I, uh, and he he feels that he's got all these legion, this legion inside him. In other words. He has internalized his abusers. That's why he's trying to beat himself, because he he hates the Romans and he feels the Romans are inside him. So he beats himself up with stones. So he has internalized Judah's captivity. He's internalized his own abusers. And this is classic. This is absolutely classic uh, psychology. Absolutely classic case. There's a guy called Franz Fanon who analysed the the psychological damage that was done uh, by colonialism, and he, he mainly focused on French colonialism in Martinique and in Algeria. And he looked at the damage that was done to darker-skinned people, uh, and he, he comments on so many cases where he claims, and I say claims, I think he's right, that those who felt... Uh, the injustice of colonization uh, and being part of the French Empire, uh, those who felt this injustice the most uh, ended up internalizing all this and actually going crazy. But there was very high levels of mental illness, a lot of self-hatred, because people had internalized all this. And really, that's what's going on here. This this man has internalized uh, all the the the, uh, the, the Roman uh, occupation. What's your name? My name is Legion. For we are many. This is the huge significance, as I see it, in the Lord asking the man his name. What's your name? Ah, oh, my name's Legion. Because the Lord understood that that was the key issue, and he wanted to get the man to verbalize it, to accept. Yeah, I'm Legion. We are many. I'm totally occupied by thousands of, of of Roman soldiers. Okay. They're pigs, aren't they? Yeah, they're pigs. Right. Going to put all that into the pigs and kill them. They're gone. What the Lord is saying is, I am going to free Israel from Roman domination. But I shall do it in my own way. And I shall not do it immediately, but I shall do it in my own way. Remember elsewhere, Uh, The Lord talks in Luke 8... um, uh, Sorry... uh, Elsewhere about... Look at this great mountain, he says. If you have faith, it shall be cast into the sea. Now, in the Bible, mountains represent empires. And I think what he's saying is... Yeah, you all want to to, to see me free you of Roman domination. I, I can do that, but actually so can you, by faith. But... The mountains will be cast into the sea... Uh, As the Old Testament says, at at the right time and not before. So then, this man is is filled with fear. He's filled with fear of condemnation, as I started off by saying. He's fearful of being thrown over the cliff. Uh, Just like they try to throw Jesus over the cliff. And he's fearful of condemnation. He feels condemned. He feels dirty. He feels that he's possessed by, by the Romans. He feels that he represents Israel and Judah who have gone so far away from God. That's how he feels. And the Lord is saying, OK, I can deal with that. And I will take all that and throw it. Now, I must say that in talking to a lot of people who, who do have mental issues... Um, people who may, may not have mental issues, but who have uh, major psychological damage because of what's been done to them. Sometimes you despair. Sometimes you think, at best this is a temporary fix. Okay, she's feeling a bit better this week, but next week it's going to be the same old, same old. And one does, to be honest, I think, despair of long-term meaningful cure. Not just of major mental illness, but of depression, of anger, all this kind of thing, one despairs whether that can really be the case. And yet, and and maybe without Christ, actually I think it is pretty well impossible to take away anger, to really feel forgiveness, to give forgiveness to others. And I really would say that one of the greatest proofs to me of Christianity is the psychological good, the psychological healing that has happened in me uh, and that happens in so many people. So many people. This is not the same as, you know, putting rabbits out of hats and doing dramatic uh, miracles, etc. No, it's the, the transformed lives, the healing of minds, which really does happen in Christ. That, to me, is the greatest proof. And, of course, this is why... These men, or, uh, and this man particularly, particularly Legion, <clears throat> went out and told everybody and would have been such an incredible witness and got everybody prepared for the Lord's return. And of course that's exactly what we're seeking to do. And the great proof of that, the great evidence of that is ultimately of course in our own changed and transformed characters. Thank you.